control. The tallest, fastest, and longest steel coaster in King's Island needs you. Must be able to handle a 300-foot drop and speeds up to 91 miles per hour while dodging meteors. No training required. Are you up for the challenge? Introducing Orion at King's Island, one of only seven giga coasters in the world. Right now, everyone pays kids' price. King's Island tickets, just $45 online. Welcome to the Albany Hunter Stories. Now, welcome your host, Teddy Polly, and his lovely wife, Tracy. I hear she's a lovely girl. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode 29 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. And, of course, I'm your host, Jerry. I've got Tracy here beside me. Hey, guys. And we're going to get serious on you for just a second. We're still going to have fun with the episode, and, and it'll be the same old uh, Jerry and Tracy you're used to. But I can honestly say I think every one of us have been touched by suicide. Uh, it's a uh, disease that, uh, well, I mean, I guess, it, honestly, it's not a disease, but the person that feels like they have to do that, they feel desperate. Uh, desolate in some in some cases but it really affects a lot of people around them also and uh, we just wanted to say if you're one of those people that feel like that talk to your friends like the that's why we chose to play the rem song uh, because it tells you take comfort in your friends such as you do you got family members you got friends hell if you want to pick up the phone and call us our phone number is right on the website absolutely pick you know email us send us a message we'll talk to anybody um uh, I've had some personal experiences in my life, and I've tried to help a lot of people that have been through the situation. Uh, I've attempted suicide before about 15 years ago, back in uh, 2001, so 16 years ago. Luckily, it didn't happen, and uh, my life changed completely after that. And I just want people to know that if you hang in there, that your life will always get better. Always remember this phrase. This has get, gotten me through uh, the last 16 years of my life. Nothing is ever as bad as you think it is, and it's never as good as you think it is. So, Amen. Um, you know, I went through a, a, a divorce, felt like I lost everything, and, and uh, but the reality of it is it just, uh, it wasn't the situation I was meant to have, and now I'm about as happy in life as I could, I could be, and I wouldn't have experienced any of that had I uh, finished what I had started to do, so. Well, amen. I'm glad you didn't, because then I wouldn't have my honey bunny right now. So, that's the, uh, the serious part of the show. Uh, but we do want people to know that. I want to give a couple of real quick shout-outs because we had something, uh, a milestone for us happen today. We actually went over 50,000 downloads, and that's thanks to every one of you listeners sharing, telling your friends, uh, the iTunes reviews. 
We just got ranked 53rd in our category on iTunes. That's our highest ranking by far, and it's happened what seems like overnight. Woohoo! And uh, we thank you guys for that. Thank you guys so much. This is so awesome. It's so fun to look on the websites and and just see things happening, and we really do owe it all to you guys, and we, we appreciate your continued support. And this is something I should have done a long time ago, and I'm kind of mad at myself for not doing it. Uh, I want to give a big thank you to any military no matter what country you're in, but Absolutely. especially the U.S., who listen to us, uh, even if you don't listen to us, you still have our utmost respect. Uh, I usually like to thank anybody I see in the military, thank them for their service. And, you know, for whatever reason, uh, I just haven't done that yet. And I, I could kick myself for doing that. But I want to give a big thank you to all of you out there listening. Yes, thank you, guys. We appreciate your service. And I want to give a couple of, uh, I know we've been not really doing the shout-outs uh, so much at the the beginning of the show here recently, but I want to actually give a couple here that I think um, need a shout out. And the first one's going to be a new uh, podcast out there. They're not really new; they've been out for a while. It's just I don't think a lot of people realize they're there. And I really enjoy this podcast, and I wanted to try to help them out a little bit. If you get a chance, give a listen to "Don't Break the Oath." This is a British bro- uh, podcast. And uh, it's a couple of guys on there that they kind of similar to what we do, except with heavy British accents. And uh, it's a pretty cool show. So if you get a chance, give those guys a listen and uh, help them out a little bit. Uh, I want to give one a shout out to uh, Gail Garoni. She is actually an Australian listener. Thank you, Gail, for listening. Thank you, Gail. And that brings me to another one. Now, we've got, uh, we've got an Australian listener that's one of my favorites. I'm not going to lie. Dana Lee Gleason. And uh, she swears up and down uh, almost every Australian out there, she got them to listen. But we found <laughs> out that she didn't get Gail to listen, but she did get her boyfriend, Lockie, to listen. And uh, we haven't given him a shout-out. Dana's had one, but I want to give uh, Lockie a shout-out. But I also want to say thank you, Dana, because she has researched some stories for us. She actually gave us uh, a screenshot of our iTunes reviews in Australia for me, so I got to see those. And, of course, one of them was hers. Go figure. <laughs> that's great we love that but i appreciate it dana thank you for all the hard work you know she told me one time that she went on a trip a bunch of her friends went from australia to new zealand and they were sitting around a campfire listening to our show oh my gosh really so when you got a bunch of australians in new zealand listening to a couple of hicks from kentucky that's pretty damn cool (laughs) that is very cool Roasting some weenies and some marshmallows hopefully and always got weenies on the brain i know it because they're good but my biggest shout-out tonight goes to Anthony Alvarenga. Uh, Anthony has actually went through some medical situations, and, and he's given us um, some credit, albeit very little credit I, I think we deserve. But he's he's went through some cancer treatments with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma and actually is in remission now, and he wanted to uh, thank us for helping him. But the reality of it is Anthony has helped us way more than we could oh have helped gosh, him. Absolutely. Uh, we've, you, most of you know we've been on uh, Real Ghost Stories Online and we've been on History Goes Bump. Neither one of those probably would have happened without Anthony because he personally wrote both of those shows on his own and asked them to get us on the show. Uh, he's went on Facebook. He's went in groups. He's wrote every paranormal group out there and told them about us. And all this is just because he likes the show and he wants to contribute and uh, we consider Anthony more than a fan. He's a friend. We've Absolutely. talked to him on the phone. We've talked to him on Skype. And uh, he's just an all-around good guy. And I wanted to give him a special yes. thank you. We love you, we Anthony. And we it. really appreciate everything that you've done for us, honey. We really do. Okay. So let's talk about our story tonight. Um, man, 
Most of you people out there have, have ta- heard of, of the Suicide Force of Japan. Uh, the actual name is, uh, I'm going to try not to butcher this, Aoki Gahara, and I think I actually said that right. But it's Japanese, it stands for Sea of Trees. And they say that because when you're in this forest, you can see the trees, the top of it kind of waves back and forth. They're really tall trees. They've been around for over 300 years. And you can see them waving back and forth, so it kind of looks like the sea, mm-hmm. which is how it got its name. Now, it's at the very foot of uh, Mount Fuji. Of course, that's one of the biggest mountains in the world. And it's 30 kilometers for you people using the metric system. And for us Americans, that's about 12 miles, 12 square miles. Um, it's hard lava. It's because this uh, Mount um, Mount Fuji was a volcano. Right. And it, it erupted, you know, years and years and years ago. And so that whole area down there is actually uh, lava. And what's funny about it is, is you can't really dig into any of the surface with, you know, picks or axes no. or, or shovels or anything like that. So, Nothing can get through? Not really. I mean, it, it, you can, but it would be hard. But, but yeah. But the, the thing of it is, is because of that, these trees, they're all windy and, and you know, you got straight up and down trees, but the, the roots and stuff just kind of go along the ground, which makes it kind of treacherous. Mm-hmm. Try- it's really cool looking, though. Yeah. Now, on the western edge, uh, there's a bunch of caves that are filled with ice. And there's a couple of caves that, that people go as a tourist and, you know, schools and stuff right. come and see on a regular basis. But, you know, parts of this forest are very dense. And because of that, they advise you when you do go, if you're coming to visit uh, on a tourist trip or something, they advise you to stay on the paths that are carved out there because it's very hard to find your way back. Yeah. And it looks really dangerous, too, because there's, like, places you walk, and then all of a sudden you'll kind of look down, and there's, like, big holes, but you really can't see it until you're right up on it because of the brush that's gone over. Yeah, and it's it's said that when you go in, you get a really eerie feeling. Um, did I say fearing or feeling? You said feeling. Okay. It sure didn't sound right in my head. But anyway, you get a really <laughs> eerie feeling. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. Mostly because the trees are, are tacked pretty, are, they're packed pretty tight. And because of that, the wind doesn't really get through there so much. Mm-hmm. And it keeps all the sound in. So you got no wind going through there. So it can become eerily quiet. And part of that's because the lava that's underground is porous. So when you got something porous like that, it kind of absorbs the sound. Oh, well, that's interesting. People will tell you that when they're in there that they don't hear any animals. They don't hear birds singing. Um, and I think that's mainly because of the... Um, people will tell you they think it's because of the demons or the eeriness or they think that's part of it and they think it's got to do with the ghostly nature of the place. Oh, okay. But I think it's probably more because of the the wind not being able to get through right. and then the sound being absorbed. So there's probably animal sounds. You just don't kind of hear them. Yeah. But most people will tell you that the animals and stuff are real quiet, like they sense something's coming, and that's why they're quiet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Why is this place like it is? I guess it depends on who you talk to. There's a history, and there's something, you know, most of us have heard about in in Japan, suicide is kind of an honor thing. I mean, they don't look at death exactly the way we do, and they think there's an honor to take in um, blame for something that's that's happened and killing yourself. Wow, that's weird. I mean, it's been that way for years. I mean, you've mm-hmm. always heard about the samurais with the Harry Carey. Yeah. Not the announcer for the Cubs. No, not him. Hey, Cub fans. <laughs> <Was> that... 
<laughs> that was horrible. Okay. Before my surgery, I could probably do that a little bit better, but uh, that surgery screwed my throat up. So, oh, that's true. Um, but you had that situation. You had other other types of suicide over there. Well, back all the way up into the 19th century, there was a um, a Japanese custom called ubasute, and I'm sure I mispronounced that. That sounded good though. But it was a practice. Of taking old people, the elderly people, they would take them out to the forest and just leave them. Oh, God. You just, like, they starve to death and die? Yep. Starve to death, dehydration, uh, the elements, depending on what time of the year it is. But that's what they did. And a lot of times this happened during times of famine or drought or something like that. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the point of them doing that? I mean, because... Times were tough, and that's one less mouth to feed? I, I mean, don't I get mean, it. I mean, I guess, but I mean, they could have just kept them at home and not fed them. Oh, my gosh. I guess they just didn't want to be bothered with them. Ugh, that's really sad. Of course, I know some elderly people that smell really bad, and that's probably the only way they could get the smell out of the house was to take them to a forest. That's oh, my guess. Oh, Lord. I don't know. But some people say that all those people that were left there, their ghosts are still there. Are still there. And that's what the that's what the problem is. As a matter of fact, they call them yuri, and that's Japanese for ghost of the dead. And some people say they draw people in, mm-hmm. kind of like a um, um, like a magnetic force that if that even people who don't contemplate suicide, it draws them in and gives them those suicidal thoughts. So, are you saying then that this forest? Is a place where you actually have permission to go in there and commit suicide. No, you don't have permission. Oh. This is just where people, a lot of people go to do it. Oh. Uh, matter of fact, um, before we get on that, let's let's go this. In the forest, there's a lot of paranormal activity. People say it's demons in there. They said, they said you can hear screams. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy was talking about that he heard screams and he followed it. There was nobody else in the forest at all that he could tell. And he followed the screams, and when he got there, it was a dead body at the base of a tree. But it, the body had been there for a while, obviously, um, just by the decomposition. So this body wasn't screaming, but it, they, it could have been oh the gosh. soul or a demon. Why would anybody want to go in that forest, especially by yourself? If people say that they see um, white shapes, like mm-hmm. floating back and forth between the trees up in the middle of the air. Wow. Uh, ghostly figures, stuff like that. So there's a lot of that going on. But... To get back to the suicide question you had, are people allowed to just go back there and commit suicide? No. But this is the number one place in Japan to commit suicide. They pull over 105 bodies out in a lot of cases each year. And in 2003, they quit telling how many bodies they pulled out of there. It might have been mid-2000, but the early 2000s, mid-2000, they quit releasing the number because they didn't want people to they didn't want to encourage people to come in there and do it but if they knew people were doing that why why would they let people even why would that even be open to the public because it's just a forest you can't keep the wild keep people from going in the forest i mean people have been going to the forest for yeah. field trips and to see the caves and all that well i know i just feel like if they if they're aware that people if people are going to do that then they would you know just shut it down and not let anybody go through there now, I mentioned that this was the number one place in Japan to commit suicide. It's actually the number two place in the world. Do you know what the number one place in the world to commit suicide is? And surprisingly enough, it's not a Kanye West concert. 
<laughs> well, that would have been the top ten, uh, probably top ten on my list. So, do you know what number one in the world no, commit suicide? I, I have no clue. Golden Gate Bridge. What in San Francisco? No kidding. More people jump off the Golden Gate Bridge to commit suicide than they do any other specific place in the world. Wow, that is amazing. People just don't do it, okay? Just don't. Yeah, in the words of Queen. Well, that kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. So let's talk about some numbers. Um, 2002, 78 people committed suicide there that they know of. Now, keep in mind, when we give these numbers, some of these bodies weren't found for years, so there's never any mm-hmm. accurate number as to who actually committed suicide. This, these, these woods are very dense, and they do sweeps every year uh, since 1970. They go through and they sweep as much of the forest as they can and they'll find these bodies. But some of these bodies, because they're so far off the beaten path, they could have been there for two, three, four years. So do they find other stuff there, like their belongings? Yeah, there's there's all kinds of belongings there. Uh, They say if you bring a tent out there, that that means that there's some kind of a doubt uh, whether you're actually going to go through with it or not. So that's one of the things that they look at is whether you brought a tent or not. So when you see tents, and a lot of people leave the tents, um, some people, not everybody actually commits suicide that goes out there. Some of them try and don't. And they, what, they just changed their mind or they just failed at Sometimes it? Sometimes they just failed. They said, um, I think 2010 or 2011, I'm trying to go on memory here, that there was over 200 people who attempted suicide there, but only like 58 actually succeeded. Oh, wow. So. <sighs> I don't know. I but just... in 2002, there were 78 people. 2003, there was 105 people. Mm-hmm. So it's jumping up every single year. And the most common way that people actually commit suicide there is hanging, hanging. or overdoses. So they take oh, sleeping pills then they and, just... and just go to sleep. Wow. I feel bad for these people that do this. I don't know. It's just, it's so depressing. Now, wasn't there something about, uh, there's also a certain time of the year when they do it? or Yeah, actually, March is the most common time of year because that's when the Fiscal year ends, which means that for some of these business people, um, they 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 know what kind of year they had financially, and if they had a real bad financial year, that could cause for this. And, and the average uh, person to commit suicide, or, or I shouldn't say the average, but the most common is forty to fifty year old businessmen. Yeah. So that just all kind of goes in. But uh, the rate of suicide has led officials to put a sign up at the entrance of the park. So what we got is that we do have signs out there. It's written in Japanese, and it basically says, think of your family. Uh, if, you're, if you're planning on committing suicide, go talk to your friends. Think of your family. And it even has a, uh, a helpline that you can call. Yes. So why here? Why do so many people come here to commit suicide? A um, whole bunch of different... I. I'm sorry, the dog just farted, and it threw me off a little bit. So let's get back on track. (laughs) Let's get back on track. Oh, Lord. There's a bunch of different theories on why people like to come here to commit suicide. And here's a couple of them, and I'm going to butcher these names. But there was a novel written in 1960 called Kuroi Jakai, 
written by something Japanese. I think it's Sayeko Matsumoto. Okay, that's going to that's so be pretty close. Google it, you'll figure it out. But he wrote this, and it was kind of like a, um, I don't know, like a Romeo and Juliet type novel. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the girl, she went here to this forest and committed suicide. So they think that that's part of the reason, because sometimes they have found this book uh, where people have left it uh, next to their bodies. And they think, you know, maybe somebody that's had a bad breakup or something like that just finds it romantic to come here and, and emulate what was in the book. Oh, a bigger one, in 1993, there was a, a, I guess we could say it's a book, could be a guide, but it was a complete suicide manual, and that was listed, they listed the, this place as the perfect place to commit suicide, and they found that book with a lot of people. Um, it's I like, just don't like that. It's, like, it's like I said, just you got you to keep in mind the Japanese do not think of suicide the same way that most Western civilization thinks of suicide. They actually see some honor in what's going on. There's over 2,000 people a year that commit suicide in Japan, most of them from jumping in front of trains. Oh, God. I mean, it's... it's that is just horrible to me. So, it's... I mean, it's... They just it, need a hug. It's They need something. Um, you know, so like I said, when, when you go and... You're there in the forest. Like I said, the main thing is you want to stay on the path. That mm-hmm. When you get in there, they say compasses don't work, GPS doesn't work. Um, some people obviously say, well, that's because you're in there and it's, you know, demons and there's ghosts and it's supernatural. The truth of the matter is compasses and stuff will work uh, as long as you don't hold them too close to the ground. Because, okay, what's under there? Well, it's because of the uh, the hot liquid magma. <laughs> but... <Jesus>. The, <laughs> but but all, today, aren't yeah, you? but all the volcanic uh, um, lava and stuff that's under there's a lot of iron ore in the ground. And because of there's iron, it causes the uh, a big magnetic field, so it causes the camp. Oh. Com- but if you're holding it at normal levels, they're supposed to work. Oh, my gosh. And GPS won't work just like you wouldn't if you're in a tunnel or something. Yeah. And uh, same thing with your cell phone. So, that is so scary because you could get so lost in there forever and couldn't find your way out. Well, that's the whole thing. They tell you to stay on the path. Now, some people, because they go in there... And they want to go off the path. They take um, colored tape, yeah, I or saw something that. like that, and they'll tie it to the tree and or string. Yeah, yeah. And they'll take it down. They tell you not to do that, and they try to uh, pick all this stuff up when you go through the forest. But if you go through the forest, you see all this tape where people mm-hmm. have tried to find their way. Now they say when you get to the end of this tape, you're either going to find a victim or you're going to find maybe the remnants of a tent or something where they decided not to do it. But following that tape is usually going to lead to something. Um, so you've got that and then you've got, um, uh, the fact that some people say that, you know, it's just like a, what is that? Like Hansel and Gretel. Remember when they left a trail of breadcrumbs? Uh It's kind of the same thing, but some people say they just want to see what's over there. But once again, this is a kind of a treacherous terrain. Yeah. You're at the foot of a mountain. It's rocky. It's, it's It's uneven. It's slick tree roots everywhere. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So, I mean, it's not something, and it's easy to get lost. If you get lost, you can literally die out there. Well, because, I can then tell you I'd be dead because I would never, ever find my way out. Everything looks the same, and if compasses aren't working properly, yeah. and you don't have it, you can't phone, call anybody Mm-mm. because your phone's not going to work out there for the most part. So, where did all this start? Well, we talked about the Yuri, and we talked about, uh, you know, taking the old people out there. It's kind of like... Uh, 
kind of like when you do with like dogs and stuff, you take them out to a farm. I wonder mm-hmm. if they told them that. Okay, Grandma, we're going to take you to a nice farm where you can run and play. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that is sickening to me. You're supposed to be nice to your elders. No, you better think about being nice to your elders. If that is, I mean, who would even think yeah. to do that? I would never think to do that. Yeah, I mean, sooner or later, your, your kids are going to be deciding to put you in a nursing home or not. So, you know, we talked about these books kind of glorifying, you know, the one started in 1960. But, you know, there were suicides out there way before this. That was just kind of when it picked up a little bit. The first suicide recorded was a Buddhist monk. He wanted to purify himself uh, by starving himself. And then other monks kind of started following it, and it became a tra- tradition. Uh, so now there was a... a Buddhist monk, and I'll screw this name up too, Kiyomyo Kiyomyo Fukui. I'm pretty sure I got that. I don't Mm -hmm. think it's fuck, so it's Fukui. Well, I think it's, they understand. uh, Kumyo Fukui, he actually set up an altar out there to try to, like, exercise the demons because he said it seemed like it was so evil out there. Gosh. Now, oddly enough, when we posted that we were going to do this story, we actually had a listener who wants to remain anonymous for obvious reasons uh, tell us a story about their brother. And uh, she wanted me to share the story uh, about his experiences over there. So that's what I want to do. So she said her brother has lived in, uh, I guess I gave it away. It's a girl. I said her. I'm trying not well, to do okay. that. okay. I'm pretty sure that's a lot of people still. <laughs> so it's, I think it's good. Said her brother has lived in Japan for 12 years. He's been to the suicide forest. Here's how the story kind of unravels. Her brother's a translator and a lecturer in Shibuya. In 2011, there was a magnitude 9 earthquake, and her brother's girlfriend died. He spiraled into depression. In Japan, Samurai Bushido history, which is his learnings, when your partner dies, a sign of loyalty and respect is to Harry Carey or Seppuku yourself. And seppuku is, well, of course, we know Harry Carey is like stab yourself with a sword. Seppuku, um, or seppuku, I'm sorry, is basically disemboweling yourself, where you just cut your stomach open and let all your entrails fall out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Gosh, that's so, ugh. So anyways, she said her, her brother planned a trip to the suicide forest. He told her that since then... He's told her since then that people can pay money to an unauthorized tour guide to take you out there and leave you to take your own life or help you complete the task if that's your final wish. So these are like illegal underground type deals. Suicide assistance sort of. Right. The Dr. Kevorkian of Japan. Yeah, yeah. Her brother paid a man and visited the suicide force. He paid an unauthorized tour guide uh, approximately... $400 U.S. money. He drove you out there, assisted in any messages or letters that you wish to deliver to your family, and then would either stay with you or go. He would rather die with honor than live without her. So he's picked up on the Japanese customs in the the 12 years he's been over there. I mean, you know, you hate to say that's kind of sweet because it's ending another life, and that's not good, but... It is it is quite amazing that they, they feel that way about their loved one so much. I asked her how he's doing today, and she said he's been obsessed with suicide, constantly talks about it, and he visits the forest regularly. It's weird. Something happened when he visited that forest that changed his, his mind 
to complete his life. Hmm. And uh, she said, but now he's constantly dreaming of death. And she said, it's weird, but my brother is an empty shell. Uh, her happy brother is now an empty shell. Oh. So I want to yeah. thank you for sharing that story. I know that that's a tough one to share. Yeah, that, that has to be so hard because you never you never know from day to day, I guess. You're always worrying and thinking about what he's going to do or whatever. And, you know, our thoughts are with you because I know that has to be a hard thing to have to live with every day. But we appreciate you sharing the story to put a little personal touch yeah. on um on the situation instead of just reading what everybody else knows or what yeah. you're reading. And this is something that somebody was personally affected by this situation. And luckily uh, he didn't follow through with it. Yeah. And hopefully he'll find some inner peace somewhere. I hope so. Well, this is going to be a weird transition, but uh, I didn't mention at the beginning of the show that we actually have a special guest tonight. I actually got to do an interview with uh, Richard McLean Smith. And those of you who have not listened to Unexplained, it was actually listed as one of iTunes' best of 2016. It's definitely one of my favorite podcasts. And what I love about Richard is if if you've listened to the show, you know what I'm talking about. You don't ever get to hear him talk in a regular speaking voice. He's always in story mode. Mm -hmm. So he tells a story, and he's got one of those uh, storytelling abilities that just always has you on the edge of your seat just listening for the next thing and um so he started doing some some ads for an advertiser that uh i wish would call us but they haven't yet and uh <laughs> he started doing some ads and, and when i heard it i thought oh cool i'll get to hear what he what he sounds like normally and he reads the ads just like he does <laughs> That's amazing. the storytelling so I'm like i still don't know so i, I got lucky and he agreed to do an interview with me uh, so he actually cuts loose a little bit. And, I, and most of you probably have never heard him um, actually talk in a regular conversation. And he was a super nice guy. And I learned a lot from him. And, and I appreciate him giving me time. But I wanted to play you that interview with him. And I also want to make sure that you guys listen to The Unexplained. It, it is without a doubt one of the best podcasts out there. I don't like to compare uh, con, uh, podcast to others but if you like lore this is along the same lines it's not exactly the same but if you like lore you would really like this too and it was uh, probably the very first paranormal podcast that I ever listened to so I just wanted to uh, give you guys a chance to, to learn about Richard McLean Smith just listen to this interview all right you guys are in for a real treat tonight I am joined by Richard McLean Smith uh, some of you will know this this name. If not, it's a name you, you really need to get to know. He hosts a podcast called Unexplained uh, over in Great Britain, and I'm going to be the first to tell you it is without a doubt one of my favorites. It's It was the very first paranormal slash unexplained type show that I ever listened to. Everything I'd listened to podcast-wise was sports before this. I did a search. I found this one, and I was hooked from the very beginning. And I'm sure you get this a lot, Richard, but uh, my only complaint is there's not more episodes. So I'm sure you hear that on a regular basis. Yeah, no, well, I mean, I would love to do more, but uh, as you know yourself, it's it's a time-consuming business. No, very, very Uh, much so. But uh, thank you very much for that introduction. I'm uh, very honored, honored by your words and honored to be on the show. Oh, it's no problem at all. Thank you. And, and uh, hopefully we'll get you some more listeners out there on, on some of our guests that probably haven't listened yet. I'm assuming a big part of them already have because they're groupies on this uh, on this paranormal <laughs> and unexplained stuff. So they, it, most people kind of listen to everything that's out there. And your name and, and show has come across as one of definite quality. So 
Um, like I said, I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm the honored one for being able to talk to you, so I appreciate your time. <laughs> So let me ask you this. Let's start off with with what I like to ask all my guests, uh, and, and you'll you probably don't know this, uh, but we we do very few interviews on my show. But every okay. once in a while, I'll catch and somebody like yourself that I consider to be one of my idols in in the in this business. And if I get a chance to interview you, then that you know, like I said, I do this more for me than I do for the listeners. But I know the listeners love it too. Yeah. Well, thanks. So tell me a little bit about the origins of what made you start Unexplained. Is this something you've had a fascination with for a long time? Is it something you just uh, felt like it was something that, that was a, a, a void out there in the podcast industry? Just give me a little bit of background on the show. Yeah, well, a bit of both, really. I, I mean, I was always um, always been fascinated by these kind of stories and, and uh, this sort of, um, you know, the, the, the strange things out there. And, I mean, I was... I grew up watching The X-Files, Twin Peaks, you know, they're all kind of classic shows. Actually, one of my favorite shows when I was younger was a show called Eerie, Indiana. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Um, it was a, a kid's show. I think it was on Nickelodeon. And, um, I mean, through that, you kind of find your way to, you know, the Twilight Zone, which is a bit before my time. But, you know, I, I used to uh, find old old uh, shows of that. and um, But it it never been something that, that occurred to me that I could sort of do myself if that makes any sense sort of investigate I mean investigate is the wrong word but I mean I'm a, I'm a writer really I'm a aspiring writer I'd love to write tv drama and that's really what I want to do but um the podcast really was something that I realized I could I could sort of tie the two things together my interest in that in the sort of eerie and the strange and the paranormal um and it was an outlet for me to kind of write basically and and I was a musician for a bit so I couldn't I can produce and I can write music and I just thought, you know, you can just do this in your bedroom basically. And um and you're right, like I did I did kind of think that there was a there was a bit of a gap, uh, especially for like these kind of stories from a British perspective, from you know, stories that have happened in Britain. They tend to be all these kind of shows tend to be coming out of the States. Um and often they're like a couple of guys talking or, you know, guys and girls talking together and um it felt like there was an opportunity there to do a show that was much more like, you know, trying to make it atmospheric and scripted. And, and the key thing I think you were alluding to before is that I don't try and explain what happened. I just sort of try and give you the facts as best we know them. Well, you do a fantastic job of, of the way that you produce the story. And Thanks. I, I like I like the fact that, like I said, it's just the way that you tell it, your voice inflection the the music in the background it really is a perfect blend of of everything to get the point across and i i feel like yeah. you leave no stones unturned i mean when i listen to the show i feel like i've probably heard everything there is to hear so it's it's awesomely <laughs> researched i appreciate that I try, yeah I try and get i try and i try and get that sort of the sense that like you say that um you know like it's i'm giving you all the facts as far as we know them and and obviously you know i don't i don't necessarily I mean, I, I wouldn't want to say either way whether I believed them or not, but um, I guess the, the, the idea is that there are, I think you know when you research these kind of stories that there are a lot of a lot of things written about them, and often they're, like, you'll go from one article to another and, and the names will be different or the ages or the dates, you know, very sort of simple, basic things that I think in the sort of Chinese whispers in the retelling of the story, they get kind of distorted, and, and the more they get distorted, the less credible the story becomes so I, I make an effort to sort of find the you know what is the actual day what were the actual names and you know and who were the real people involved and 
and and I think that gives it a bit of authenticity that some other thing, shows don't kind of manage to do, I, I guess. Well, that's that's one of the things we try to do on our show. Now, we're not near as professional as you are. I mean, I, don't, I wish I had a voice like yours. I mean, there's, oh, I, there's something about no, a British yeah, voice. I think your accent is much more interesting than mine. But there's something about a British voice telling a story that just, to me, is more captivating. So, I mean, I've always been a fan of, of listening to, to any show that's that's got a, a British narrator or uh, a host. So, that's that's just kind of my thing. So I'm kind of drawn, yeah, I, drawn to you guys. I think it's, I mean, I would say the other way around, but it, that's, I think that's the way it is, isn't it? When it's something different to yourself, it, it can sometimes seem more interesting. Probably so, but either way, it's still, uh, it's still the highest compliment I can, I can give you. So oh, thank um, you very much. the other thing is, uh, you know, it's like I said, we, we try to do the same thing. We're try I try to be very technical on times and dates and, uh, and yeah. people because, and that's something we get compliments all the time on is, is that they like the fact that we're so thorough and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe who knows some of that I've gotten from probably some of the other shows I know I've listened to because I like it when they're technical because I feel like they've done their research. So that's, yeah, uh, exactly. And, and you, you know, we're talking about things that are quite easy to dismiss and, you know, you know, I think the fun for me really is, is not, um, dwelling too much on whether it's real or true. It's just sort of enjoying the mystery of it all. So, but at the same time, the minute you, you know, if you if you were to say something that was like patently untrue or was wrong, then it it kind of it uh, you know destroys that illusion. Right, and sometimes sometimes you have to uh, you have to allude to the fact that you know I don't necessarily believe this is true or not true. This is just the story that's out there. We we did a bunch yeah. of uh, uh, we've done three shows on rock and roll and the occult. And we've done some okay. stuff with Led Zeppelin and and the Aleister Crowley ties and uh, yeah. and that type of stuff. And like I said, those stories are out there. You, you can believe there's backward masking, or you cannot believe it. Whether I believe exactly. or not believe, it's still out there. And this is what it sounds like. It says, "I'm not saying I believe that's what it says, but this is what it sounds yeah. like." See if you can hear it. So yeah, it it, it is kind of touchy on some of this stuff because you can't really present it as fact. You can just present yeah. it as what everybody is saying. Did you are you talking about um? Is it Stairway to Heaven? Yes. Playing we, backwards? Yeah, we did, did, have you, we did a whole show on Stairway to Heaven, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. I could, yeah. So what did you say? Did you say you, you, you did it? Have you got, a, have you got a, a, like an LP, a record of? No, we, we just, I found some clips that were already online where people had done yeah, it backwards yeah. and just, and just yeah. replayed those. It was a whole lot easier than try to, to find <laughs> the spots myself and, uh, but, you know, yeah. like I said, you know, those tend to be things that people like, the things where you can sit and try to make your own mind up. I think people like exactly. that. Exactly. And thing. it's great for, you know, podcasts. I mean, it, that sort of audio is really cool. I've, I've been trying to think of ways that I could, I mean, uh, try and bring audio clips into my show somehow because it's, you know, it's, it's obviously the nature of the, the media, the medium of podcasting. Um, but I've not quite done it yet. Yeah, it's a tough thing to do if you're going to try to do it right. And and I'm, like I said, we're not the most professional group, so uh, I definitely don't have the tools to to make it as professional sounding. But it gets the point across, and and uh, yeah, and our our listeners don't seem to really have a problem with the way it's done. So hey, if they don't have a problem with it, I'm happy to just keep doing what I can no, to exactly. provide more. No, I think they yeah, I think they like the show sounds good. I think it's like uh, you know people, it sort of feels like you're listening to your friends and things, and I think that's really uh, a nice thing for people to. Yeah, and, and and that's that's the whole point. Let me ask you this, because we brought up Aleister Crowley. Now, yeah, one of my favorite shows you did was episode ten in the uh, in the first season where you talked about Boleskine House. Loved that episode. Yeah. 
do you have any stories that you've done thus far that you feel like stood out as one of your favorites or do they all kind of have that same love in your heart like having kids do? <laughs> I think um, well, I've, I've been told you can have favorite kids. Uh, it's true. By it's my true. own parents. In fact. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> no, uh, I think my favorite story is um, yeah, it's probably it's either the first one because that really set me off, which is the, the story about the, the lady it was also a cult, um, you know, associated with the occult and, and the, and a, uh, a secret magic order that I think had links to Crowley at, at some point. But um, so the, that was the, the story of Netta Fornario who went to uh, this, the island off the coast of Scotland and something happened to her that, like overnight, she was found uh, dead the next, she was found dead the next morning in a fairy mound and uh, there was no signs of foul play and and they just had everything because it, was, it had this extraordinary atmosphere and of the location but also... The backstory of her being part of this um, strange secret order, and she she'd gone there to conduct some kind of ritual, and then of course the the tragedy of her death. So it just kind of it was when I found that story, it made me that was the moment where I thought, you know, maybe there's a podcast that I can make out of this kind of thing. Um, and then the second favorite really is the the one about the guys on the light uh, on the the island, the lighthouse keepers. Yes, I don't if you remember. Um, again, that was sort of uh, it was just a really it just had the story had so much going for it, um, and you know again the atmosphere and, and it had this sort of strange, um, um, sort of mythical, mysterious quality to um, whatever had happened to them, and um, also I, yeah I, I used it to to do a song at the end which uh, I, I try to resist uh, as much as possible, but I. I let myself off and I did one for that one. <laughs> um, but uh, I did, um, I think, uh, what I was trying to say about it, it was just, it was quite a touching story as well because I think I felt ultimately that all three men had had died, you know, doing just doing their job and their job was to to guide people to to, to prevent them from, you know, to prevent boat, boats from hitting the rocks and other people dying and it was sort of the fact that they'd, I don't know. It, it sounded like that. It was quite a tough, tough uh, life being a lighthouse keeper in 1903 or whenever it was. I can't remember exactly. Um, so yeah, I was kind of touched by it in the end as well. But you you cover quite a wide variety of uh, of things in your podcast. That's why that's why I kind of put it as a the paranormal slash unexplained slash yeah you know history because you know I can't say everything's paranormal because everything's not paranormal. Um, but, yeah. but it's, the stories are fascinating. I mean, just like the, 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 you know, most people don't realize, but you do seasons and you take a, a fairly lengthy break in between seasons, which I'm, I'm assuming, yeah. assuming you're doing some research and stuff for your upcoming season during that time. But yeah, the newest season just kicked off, uh, uh end of January, I think January 25th, 27th, somewhere in that range. And you did a two parter on yeah. on Bella and the Witch Elm, which I had heard briefly about the story before, but you went into some really good detail over two mm. two episodes and an extra, which is the other thing I yeah. like. You you like you put in little extra episodes in between your your episodes that kind of something yeah. that got left out of the previous. But I, I love the fact that you'll do something like that, and then you've had stories about submarine explosions you've had the yeah. the live podcast that which was also one of my favorites that you did at the london podcast festival uh, that story about the haunted farm was that was a phenomenal story i love that one that was yeah uh, but 
I think uh, yeah. I think people will like your variety. Thanks. Yeah, I, I kind of um, I think I mean there's the the Bella one. There was a there was a, there was a slight uh, it was it was getting slightly towards true crime, but I think it had a it had an element in it that was you know sort of not supernatural, but it had this spookiness to it that was that I think elevated it to a bit more than true crime. And I and I so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I try to. I want I want to keep my mind open about the different stories that I can include, but they all ultimately have to have something, you know, sort of strange and unnerving about them that's, that's slightly beyond just the human being element, the, sort of you know the human element of unnerving. There has to be you know suggestion of something else, sort of hidden, lurking behind the story. If you know what I mean? No, absolutely, um, I, I agree. And and like you said, that not everything sometimes. Sometimes the stories like of Henry Holmes, who ran the hotel in yeah. uh, in in Chicago, that's more of a true crime. But that would be something we would feature, and I plan on somewhere in the future on our show because I still find yeah, it I'd creepy enough. Like that, yeah. yeah, exactly. And also, I think, I mean, the other difficulty with true crime or straying into that area is that if you're doing it for, um, you know, about stories that are, that aren't that long ago or quite recent. You know, there are there are real people who are associated with the people you're talking about, and it's it, it's a very kind of I think you have to be quite careful the way that you might investigate those kind of stories. But if it's if it's something from you know Victorian times or back in the 19th century, then you know I think you're kind of safe to at least at least discuss you know you at least uh, use the story somehow in, in your show. But um, uh, I, was, I was just thinking off the top of my head as well of, uh, about. Um, uh, I had one story that was about uh, a, a guy who had an exorcism carried out on him, and and the next day he, quite sort of brutally and uh, again tragically, uh, he murdered his wife. But he was, you know, he was he was um, probably suffering from severe mental health problems, and um, whatever had happened has sort of exacerbated that. And I and I was telling that. I do know that. I mean, he he is still around, and I I believe his his children were also still around. So, you know, I kind of I was care. I wanted to be careful in the way that I retold the story that it didn't. I was trying not to sensationalize things or make or make any point or judgment or statement about it, and really just using the the, the information that is in the public domain. So um, that was the only one that I felt had maybe. It could have been some difficulty in that sense. No, I can definitely understand that. We we had a, a story that was semi-local um, to where I live, and it was you know it was only probably twenty years ago, but it involved a a woman who killed her husband, and but the husband claimed he was possessed, and right. so there was a little right. bit of a t- paranormal tie, a little bit of true crime story, but that's that's kind of yeah. why I backed off of it because I you know not wanting to step on any toes or have any family members say hey I wish you hadn't done that so yeah I'd rather stick with yeah. something from you yeah. know 200 years ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's definitely safe although maybe you know who knows is it safe so well Richard let me end on this because I always try to uh, uh, end on 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 something positive do you yeah. think are you surprised let me say by the success of the show um, yeah, of course, of course. Like, I mean, I just, I, I, I started putting it together because I just wanted, you know, when you, I don't know if you, uh, when you're a writer or you want to be a writer, everybody asks you, what do you write? You know, uh, where can I see what you've written? This sort of thing. 
And um, and especially when you're trying to develop TV shows, it can take a long time. And so the podcast for me was just, uh, aside from the interest I had in the in the topic and the and the stories, it was you know for me to just put something out there so people could say to me, well, they might ask me, so where can I? You say you're a writer. What have you written? And I can say, well, you know, look up Unexplained, and you'll find it on iTunes. And and I ne- I never expected that people would actually find it without me telling them to. So uh, it kind of uh, it's a surprise to me every day that it's still um, you know that it's being still being listened to. In fact, well, Richard, um, if, if yeah. Do do you have some books and stuff out there already, or is it strictly pretty much this? No, this? nothing, nothing at all. This is, I mean, it, the podcast is all there is at the moment, but I am um, I'm working on it. Uh, I hope I hope to have other things out there um, soon. Um, and actually, I'm one of the things is developing. Uh, is possibly trying to develop the the show as a as a TV drama. That would be um, awesome. But I can't tell you any more about it, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, I understand completely. Um, so, so how can how can my listeners best get a hold of you or listen to you? Find your merchandise. What's give me some websites and some uh, insights to, to how to reach you? Yeah, well, my um, I mean, I have a Twitter. I'm on Twitter on unexpl- at unexplained pod. Um, and I have a website, which is, I think, unexplainedpodcast.com, if I remember correctly. Um, but the best place to find me is really, I think, I mean, if you're, if you have a, you know, if you listen to podcasts, you'll find, obviously, you listen to podcasts, you listen to this one, but iTunes, uh, Stitcher, all these kind of things. I mean, I, I really want to be on Google Play, but they don't let, uh, UK shows on there yet. So, I did not um, know that. That's proved a bit of a problem for some people. But, um, yeah, so I think that's that's it really for me. Unexplainedpodcast.com, Unexplained Pod at uh, sorry, what is it at Unexplained Pod? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm a, I'm a Twitter thing and all that stuff, so uh, <laughs> I had to learn I'm, that. I'm kind of the same way. I'm still. I got an Instagram account and I hardly ever put anything on it, so I got to get used to that. Right. <laughs> Well, guys, I will highly advise, and I don't do this on very many podcasts, but I will highly advise that you listen to Unexplained. Uh, there's uh, just started off season two. And uh, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll go back and listen to one episode. You'll listen to all of them because it's it's completely fascinating and you'll be hooked from the beginning. Uh, but give it a listen and I promise you will not be disappointed. Richard, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it and best of luck in the future and all your endeavors. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me and, and the same to you. And once again, I want to thank Richard McLean Smith for uh, doing that. There, when we do these interviews, we do them by, via Skype. And uh, when we do one over in Great Britain, there's like a five-hour time difference. So in order to do this, you know, like at 7 or 8 o'clock at night for, for them guys, we have to do it at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon or, mm-hmm. or vice versa. Uh, I know we heard Phil uh, Holmes talking about when he does his. He has to do most of his interviews because most of his listeners are in America. And the time difference, because he's ahead, he's up till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning oh, just, sure to, just to interview somebody that's mm-hmm. just getting home at 7 from work. Yeah. So it makes it tough, and these, these guys earn their money. I'll they give sure them that. They sure do. It is a lot of hard work. Um, I do want to say a couple of good things. Obviously, the iTunes reviews, thank you guys so much. That is what helps us move up into rankings. It's not listens. It's not... Uh, uh, any of the other stuff, it's the iTunes reviews and new subscribers. So if you can subscribe to the podcast rather than just listen, that helps. If you can give us an iTunes review, that's awesome. That helps us out. Uh, other ways to help the show, 
financially, we've got t-shirts on our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. You can buy t-shirts, and we get a little bit of the money off of that. And then uh, also, if you want to make a one-time donation, we've had several of you do that. I like to keep those anonymous, so I won't always mention on the on the air uh, the names. But you guys, it's greatly appreciated. I make sure that Tracy and I send everybody that donates to us a personal thank you because it is heartfelt. And what do we use the donations for? Trust me, it's not to uh, go out to fancy restaurants. Uh, we use it for trying to upgrade our equipment. Uh, we actually had an iTunes review the other day that... Uh, criticized our sound quality. Now, when we first started this with Ricky and I, we had a couple of mics and we were just starting out and and the sound quality was horrible on the first episode. That'd be the first to tell you that. Uh, It got a little bit better as we learned how to manage the controls. Christmas time, my youngest son bought us a newer microphone and we used that. But the system we use, uh, use only allows for one microphone. So some people talk about, you know, Tracy sometimes sounds like her volume is a little different than mine, and it's because the microphone's primarily closer to me instead of being closer to her just because of the way we have to sit, and that gives a little bit of a difference in sound. Uh, We are looking to upgrade the equipment and the software, so we will have a two-microphone system. And uh, Watch out. Yeah, so when you guys donate money, that's what we use it for. We put it right back into the show and try to make things a little bit better, and I'm not going to lie to you, we donate to other shows. Yeah, um, of course. You know, so we we use some of that, you know, some of our own money to donate to other shows. So when you guys donate to us, we use that to upgrade the show. If you're going to donate to us, we want to give you the best product possible. Yeah, and I might just grab my new mic and just break out in songs. So you guys are in for a treat. So anybody who doesn't want that to happen, they can send their complaints to uh, <laughs> our email or our Facebook page. And by the way, we do have a Twitter, uh, and I'm trying to really... It's like we, a personal problem. Yeah. <laughs> We've we've gotten 250 users uh, our new Twitter followers in the last week. That's so amazing. So it's been hitting good. So it's Hillbilly Horror or at the Rent Daddy. T H E R E N T D A D D Y. Look us up because we can always use new Twitter followers. Find us on Facebook, Hillbilly Horror Stories. Just do a search for us and and get on there. We put a bunch of fun stuff on there every day, and uh, we communicate with all of our Facebook users on a regular basis. If you respond or say something, we're going to respond back. So if you want to be able to interact with us, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Look forward to it. Guys, we have an awesome show next week. And these interviews, I don't know, I've been hearing a lot of positives about the interviews we're doing, and we've talked to some great people uh, in the last couple of weeks, and there's more coming up. Just to give you the heads up, next week's show is going to be on the Stanley Hotel. And there's a pretty famous movie that was based on the Stanley Hotel, and I'll just give you a little hint. If you don't already know, we'll say Jack Nicholson. And uh, <laughs> that should probably give it to you if you don't already know. Um, we're also going to have an interview with a group called um, the Haunted Explorers. They are a ghost hunting group out of uh, Las Vegas, and they spent some time with us. Uh, we are also going to have an upcoming interview with Jake and Sam from Just a Story Podcast. I know a bunch of you have listened to that, another husband and wife team, so we'll be excited to do that. And then uh, another one I'm excited about is K-Town from Mysterious Radio. We're actually going to do an interview with her this week. So in the next three weeks, you'll get the Haunted Explorer, you'll get Just a Story Podcast, Jake and Sam, and then you're going to get K-Town from Mysterious Radio. So we're going to keep uh, bringing you the best of what's out there. Uh, those are the big dogs, and uh, we know you guys like to hear about them. Most of you probably listen to them, so I thought it'd be fun to get them out of their element and just talk about you know, their shows a little bit, too. Yeah, it's very interesting. I don't always get to be in on the interviews, but um, I know Jerry does a great job with that. 
And uh, so I'm looking forward to it just as well. But she will be in on the other interviews. A lot of times, because of time differences, it's a lot easier for me to get away from work. Because, you know, most of you know we have regular work schedules just like most people. And uh, But Tracy has a harder time because she's in the medical field. And it's a little bit tougher to just walk out when somebody's needing, you know, medical stuff done. So (laughs) it's a little bit easier for me. So, uh, but the ones uh, that that we got coming up will all be done at nighttime and uh, it'd be easier for Tracy to be involved. It's a lot more fun when she's involved. And um, like I said, we, uh, we want to thank history goes bump. They actually had us on their show last week. If you want to go back and hear us on that, it was episode 185, but Diane and Denise are super nice. They've helped us out tremendously, just like Phil Holmes has. Just Tony and Jenny Bruschi, uh, same way from Real Ghost Stories uh, online. So these guys are, are so awesome to, to be able to just not look at us as competitors, but look at us as somebody they're willing to help, and we appreciate that. So we're going to help them any way we can. And uh, once again, I'm going to throw it in the very last thing. Take a listen to uh, uh, Don't Break the Oath. Uh, podcast them guys can use your support i think once you listen to them you're gonna really like the twist they got on stuff amen guys thank you so much for everything thank you for fifty thousand uh downloads and uh we're looking forward to the next fifty thousand. yeah you guys have a great week and remember to love one another and to all of our military thank you for thank everything you. that you do we'll see you next week <laughs> would like to thank you folks for kindly dropping in. You're all invited back next week to this locality to have a heaping helping of their hospitality. Hillbilly, that is. Y'all come back now. This is Mission Control. The tallest, fastest, and longest steel coaster in King's Island needs you. Must be able to handle a 300-foot drop and speeds up to 91 miles per hour while dodging meteors. No training required. Are you up for the challenge? Introducing Orion at Kings Island, one of only seven giga coasters in the world. Right now, everyone pays kids' price. Kings Island tickets, just $45 online. Think Kings Island is just a coaster park? Think again. It's a get back to fun with family and friends park. A find your new favorite food park. Mm -hmm. An outdoor entertainment you'll remember forever park. A beat-the-heat-all-summer-long park. It's a discover-something-new-every-visit park. All this and coasters, too. All at Kings Island. Right now, everyone pays kids' price. Kings Island tickets, just $45 online. Think Kings Island is just a coaster park? Think again. It's a get-back-to-fun-with-family-and-friends park. A find-your-new-favorite-food park. Mm -hmm. An outdoor-entertainment-you'll-remember-forever park. A beat-the-heat all-summer-long park. It's a discover-something-new-every-visit park. All this and coasters, too. All at Kings Island. Right now, everyone pays kids' price. Kings Island tickets, just $45 online. This is Mission Control. The tallest, fastest, and longest steel coaster in Kings Island needs you. Must be able to handle a 300-foot drop and speeds up to 91 miles per hour. While dodging meteors, no training required. Are you up for the challenge? Introducing Orion at Kings Island, one of only seven giga coasters in the world. Right now, everyone pays kids' price. Kings Island tickets, just $45 online. Get more out of summer. 
with savings on appliances to simplify and streamline during the Home Depot's 4th of July savings in-store and online. Right now, you'll save a bundle on top appliances like this Samsung Laundry Pair. Celebrate summer with a laundry upgrade during 4th of July savings at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. U.S. only, while supplies last, free delivery on purchases of $396 or more, valid through July 14th.